You're listening to the Core Stories Podcast. These are stories about lives that intersect with Jesus. I'm Emily, the Communications Director at Otter Creek Church. One of the reasons I started this podcast was on Sundays, I was sitting next to people who, unbeknownst to me, were incredibly mission-minded, traveling the world, making these amazing impacts on impoverished areas, and I never knew their story. And I thought other people may be like me and not even realize who they sit next to on Sundays. Two of those people that I have discovered are uh, John Lee, who is a longtime member here, and Kevin Colvett, who is a longtime member and a shepherd here at Otter Creek. And they're both very humble and but graciously agreed to sit down with me and talk to me about all the great things that the Living Water Project has been doing and talk about all the wells that they have brought to impoverished areas of the world, uh, clean water where there has never been access to clean water before. I was delighted to get to know more about their story. My name is John Lee. And I'm Kevin Colvett. I've been a member of Otter Creek since 1999 through uh, my friend Shannon Dickerson, who started the Living Water Project. Um, I ended up being involved in Living Water. Um, and in the early days, uh, it was, well, it's always been a work in progress and a learning process, but uh, my background is in business. And so I knew basically nothing about water. Um, when I kind of happened to be the guy that took the reins on this uh, ministry. And so um, in 2008, Steve Sherman got together some folks uh, to talk about Project Ulpon, uh, a new ministry initiative in the Ulpon Valley of Guatemala, and uh, invited three or four other people to the table. And Kevin was sitting across from me. And Kevin, I think, had been at Otter Creek for a couple of years, and we passed in the hallway um, but had done nothing more than say hello to each other. And so I shook Kevin's hand and I said, what do you do for a living? And he said, well, I'm a professional water engineer. And I said, you don't say. So uh, I had no idea that that's what Kevin did. Uh, I went back to my office, uh, to my regular job, and immediately sent an email to our board. And I think about 24 hours later, uh, Kevin was on our board. Things were a little more informal that, that at that time, but... Uh, uh, it just made sense, and um, uh, so we've kind of worked together on the front lines of the ministry ever since. And um, you can imagine what um, a guy like Kevin coming along has meant to me as someone without that in my background. So I think we have kind of complemented each other um, from a, a strengths and gifts standpoint. Yeah, Steve kind of set us up on a blind date, I guess for lack of a better way to put it. Um, and and I got to know John and the, the the Living Water Ministry. After at that time, I had been working as a water professional for about ten or twelve years, I guess. And I had this uh, uh, nagging feeling inside that there's there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than what I'm doing with my uh, career, uh, which is which was fine at the time and still is. Um, as far as I know, um, I'm maybe fired by now, um, since I'm taking off work this afternoon. But, um, at the, at the time that, that, that we met, uh, I was thinking to myself, there's got to be more than what I'm doing. And then after we talked for literally just a few minutes, I realized, yes, there is in fact more 
than than what I'm doing. And so I I give Steve a lot of credit for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Steve's uh, Steve's only a part of it. I think there's a, there's a God part of it too. Um, I mean, Steve's good. He's just not that good. Um, so the, the next thing I knew after talking with John, I was uh, on an airplane to Sudan. And I'm not sure still to this day exactly how that happened. Um, but uh, uh, the Living Water Project's been in uh, doing water projects now around the world for 17 years. And I've been a part of it for, for 10 of those. And it's been, uh, it's been a wonderful ride so far. But Kevin has been a part of... 90% of the projects that we've done. Um, the early days, we were doing one to three wells a year. And so um, it's not, it's certainly not a complete coincidence that things really took off in a big way. Um, when, when Kevin joined us, uh, we were able to do things that previously we didn't have the capacity to do. And so he came along. It was truly a godsend um, to bring his skills and his heart uh, to what we're doing. The question of where is God in this, uh, I think, I think I, I have some sense of that question, and, and it goes through my head to some degree every time I walk into a village and see suffering, um, or drive through a slum, and yet it's also at that moment when I realize that that's when the hands and feet of Jesus show up. Um, one time specifically in my life, when not completely and directly related to Living Water Ministry, was I went through. Uh, two bouts of serious clinical depression for four years, actually starting the year that Living Water was founded, but before I became, you know, centrally involved in it. Um, I went through four years of that and um, a lot of searching, a lot of asking God what purpose everything has. Um, and so there was a lot of asking where is God and where is Jesus in this, in this whole thing for me personally during that. But the good thing about that is that when I emerged from that time of darkness, um, I found myself completely unintentionally, it turned out, on a course to, to work in missions and living water. I'd had no previous missions experience whatsoever. And so that personally for me was a time when I asked, where is God in this? But I found out in a big way later on. I, I was having a discussion with some folks just a few days ago about where is God in this? And the this at that time in that discussion was was slightly different. Uh, w- when we were when we were talking, I, I, the scene in Exodus where Moses has had kind of a rough time of it, and he just says, "God, I need you to do something. I, I need I need you to show me a sign. I need you to do something great. Just just do something. Where are you?" And God said, "Okay, I, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something fantastic. I'm going to do something amazing." But you've got to go hide in a rock over here because you won't be able to see it, but you'll be able to see it after I've passed by. And I think that's a real amazing allegory to how God works in living water and how God works in this world is that God works in this world and he's active in this world, but we don't really have the capability to see it until after he's gone by, until after it's happened. And so I I am 100% convinced that God... Uh, was actively involved in getting John and I together, but it just wasn't obvious until after he had gone by. And some of the most amazing uh, stories that we have from different wells in different countries, it's not obvious at the time that God is active. We have faith that God is active, but it's not real clear what he's doing, when and how. 
until after he's gone by. And so thinking back to some of the some of the people that he's put into our lives and some of the people who are out literally today uh, working in the edge of the Sahara Desert, uh, drilling wells for people and, and putting themselves in danger, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that, that God is active in that and, and being a part of that and guiding it. Well, definitely uh, some of the stories that we've gotten back from church planters you know, it's one thing to go to a community that desperately needs water and that there's an attempt to plant a church there, but then to later on get a get an email or, or a text that says people have been baptized because they started asking questions about why do people give water to people they don't know or who is, who is Jesus? What is this all about? And so um, many of the stories have been written well after a well was drilled. Uh, so yeah, there have been there have been some of those. We've gotten stories back of of people in villages who said we never thought anybody would ever even know we're out here, and um, and and that we have to give credit. I, I should say to we have so many wonderful locals in all these places that are our hands and feet on the ground that get a lot of this done for us. But they have relayed to us uh, so many stories that have been very convicting of God's hand. We had a situation in Chad recently where um, they showed up to drill a well. There were a lot of troubles. There were logistical issues and people were literally in tears because they thought that the hope of a well and clean water had been dashed. They literally started praying and the next day they came back and they found water. And so, I don't know, I feel like God is more of a mystery to me than perhaps other people. Maybe I'm more of a doubting Thomas and I have to see it, you know, I have to see the hands and feet. But when I hear a story like that, it really speaks to my tangible um, need to see God work. You know, we've been, me and uh, Ginger and Sam and Zach and Ben have been a part of Otter Creek for 17 years now. And the thing I like about it is that we're, we're small church people. Uh, we grew up in a small church, and Ginger and I spent the first years of our marriage in a small church. And Otter Creek's not a small church. It's just not. Um, and the only way we could really make it a small church is to start running people off, and we don't really want to do that <laughs> either. But it's a big, small church is is kind of how I look at it. And I hope we can remain a big, small church um, and not feel like we need to become a, a small, big church uh, if that makes any sense. Because one of the things that's beautiful about a a big, small church is that it has people and it has resources and it has ideas, but they're not, there's still freedom to explore those and develop those and encouragement to do those, uh, to do those things. Um, and, and I, I really like that. And, and Living Water is just one of dozens of, of wonderful ministries that have been birthed here at Otter Creek and not just birthed but but have grown up here at Otter Creek and, and there's you know there's there's several of them like that the Wayne Reed Center the kindergarten agape exile uh, lot, lots of lots of uh, wonderful things have happened here because we're a big small church that we have big ideas but we're still small enough that we, that that we have freedom and autonomy to let those ideas flourish. I really like that. Yeah, so some of the things that uh, I love about Otter Creek, um, 
So I've been here almost 19 years, and after my immediate family, my mom and dad and my two brothers, um, the people at this church have done more and contributed more to who I am today than anyone else who's ever been in my life. And I found it to be a place where I was challenged, but in a loving way, um, to consider some of the views that I held dearly that I was then reconsidering because of those challenges. I was challenged to view kingdom in ways that I had not been before. One thing that I like about Otter Creek is that I think we have a wide variety of political and theological views represented here, but I also think that there's a deep sense of respect for different views. That's not to say that there are never disagreements, but um, there seems to be room for different views here, and it seems to be somewhere that there's no question that can't be asked. And so part of that environment I've found has spurred growth in me spiritually and in my definition of kingdom. I had never been on a mission trip or had any desire to go on a mission trip uh, until 2004, and that was somewhat begrudgingly that I went to Maiden the Streets for the first time. Um, obviously, a lot has changed since then. Uh, whatever people might see that they admire or respect about me, I would suggest is uh, much of that is directly the result of people here at Otter Creek who have uh, helped form those things in me. That's that's a really good point because I, I was the same way. I, I I did not grow up in a, a situation where doing things out in the world was much of a, a emphasis. So I was you know you look at the things that David Knox and David Rubio do with our youth groups now, and everything is missionally minded. Even the fun stuff that they do is missionally minded uh, about going out into the world, uh, and and I think that's a wonderful thing that our kids are being exposed to and it's just it's just natural for them uh it wasn't a natural thing for me i was 30 years old before i ever did anything along those lines i never painted houses at spring break i never did did anything that would be construed as a mission trip until i started doing uh water projects and and that's uh it's it seems like a natural thing here at otter creek uh but for people who have been here and grown up in it i i still think that that my kids probably don't realize that that's still a bit of an exception here in this world to, to be outwardly focused on meeting the needs of this world. Unfortunately, that's still a rare thing in churches. Well, one thing, one thing that I love about Jesus is that he's not some distant God or Savior. Um, I love the fact that um, he experienced just about everything that we experience. I was going to say maybe not jealousy, but perhaps even jealousy in a way of people loving, people having misplaced love that should be directed for for God. I guess there was a jealousy about that. Um, but anger, joy, happiness, humor, um, disappointment, rejection. Uh, I love the fact that Jesus experienced all of those and that we can look at that and say, that's somebody that I can identify with. Um, and I also, it really speaks to me that here's someone who established a kingdom in all of the ways that you would not expect it to happen. And that's that's something that we talk, talk about a lot, but it's something that really strengthens my faith when I think about this everlasting kingdom that's completely upside down from what we would expect to be an everlasting kingdom. This This idea of um, caring about the least of these and loving your enemies and living at peace instead of conquering. Um, we get it wrong a lot, and I get it wrong a lot, but there's something about this 
kingdom thing and this church thing that even throughout our brokenness, it's still it still stays together and it still perseveres through the ages in mighty ways. And so here's a guy that had none of the things that we would have expected. And, and yet here we are having this conversation today. Yeah. And you still, you still meet Jesus in all places around the world. And when you meet someone who is obviously a Jesus follower, you realize that that's why this has stuck around for, for so long. And that's why it's going to stick around for so long. One of the biggest blessings about being involved in Living Water is just simply the Jesus people that we get uh, to associate with around the world. And when and when you get frustrated with things here, and 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 you you just find yourself you need to turn off the news and 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 get off of social media and all 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 those sorts of things. It's so nice to just meet people who want to live for Jesus and. Those people exist all around the world, and we could tell you stories about Kledor and Shadrach and Pasius, exactly. Just and and, and when you meet these people, you realize th- th- that's why the gospel has stuck around. Mm-hmm. I've got a hypothetical question for John. <laughs> okay, and I've got a question for Kevin too. Okay, good, so. good. So, in, in a a really eccentric, rich weird person writes a million dollar check and says, go do with this what you want and whatever you want. I know Living Water's model is every nickel goes to water projects, but would you make Living Water your full-time job? That's a great question. I would certainly consider it. Um, There is something that I love about and that I hear all the time people say they love this being all volunteer run. Um, and yet uh, I realize too that we don't want that to become an, uh, an object of pride or, or to have it to be too much of a sacred cow where we're serving less people. Because we're proud um, of our humility. <laughs> very proud. Incredibly it's proud. It's probably our best quality. <laughs> Easily. So much better than everybody else's. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that's a really good question. And uh, I would certainly consider it. And my, my question for Kevin um, is is at least that deep, and it's why didn't you stop me from eating the mac and cheese on our trip? Yeah, that should be a rule. <laughs> if the nearest refrigerator is 200 miles away, do not eat dairy products. Um, you'll get to see a lot more wells that way. Yeah, that's true. And, yeah. and I, um, I've asked Kevin, you know, if I start to eat something that's going to make me sick, just give me signs across the table or something. Yeah, that was a mistake. So far, his record is, is uh, perfect and mine is far from it. So. John, John has a knack for turning a living water project into a living sewer project. <laughs> it's true. Um, I, I, would, uh, I would add on a more serious note. Kevin alluded to this a minute ago, and one of the things that is such a gift of doing this is that you realize that the world is actually getting better. Um, I know we're inundated with news that the sky is falling and that the world is going to hell in a handbasket, but, um, and I was firmly in that corner uh, until I got into this kind of work, and um, you realize that that's actually not happening. And that doesn't mean that the world is any less broken, but we're moving in the right direction on a lot of things. And the people that we have been fortunate to meet in churches around the world, um, I have seen kingdom come alive in ways that I never expected it to. And it has been the biggest blessing um, that I could have ever imagined. 
And so it's given me a great sense of hope to see that all the reports that the world was, you know, going straight down the tubes were were in fact greatly exaggerated. Um, There is so much good going on in the world. um, And in the midst of our brokenness, God is in fact doing mighty things. And the kingdom, I would say, is is stronger than ever in many ways. We now we now have ways to communicate better with each other and to travel and to meet each other face to face and to meet each other through technology. And the world is getting smaller and the kingdom is becoming more connected. And it's been really, really beautiful to be a part of that. We get to work with places who are planting churches and different, different parts of the world, some, some dangerous parts of the world, but but it's getting better. I mean, just from a sanitation standpoint, there was a billion people a few years ago who didn't have access to clean water. That that number has been reduced by uh, some by some estimates by three hundred million. That's the population of the United States who now has clean water who didn't just a decade ago. Uh, that's a trend that's that's needs to continue. And this is a problem that's solvable. Not not every problem on this planet is solvable, but this is one that is. And it's so nice to be a part of it. And one of the things that that is so beautiful is that uh, partnering with churches is the best way to get it done in in these parts of the world. Because governments come and go, and school teachers come and go, and and charities come and go, but the church stays put. And and if you can count on on anything, you can count on the church being there. That's really, really uh, a, a beautiful thing to do. And one of the things we like to tell people is that we don't necessarily plant churches, but we try to water them when they've been planted, uh, and it and and it helps. It, it certainly goes together. Yeah, and Josh Josh Graves has said many times since he's been here that the local church is the hope of the world in so many words. And I've thought about that comment a lot over these last seven to eight years, and it's resonated with me how true that is. And it's become very alive in our experiences to see that that is in fact the case. Core Stories is a ministry of the Otter Creek Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. To find more stories, go to ottercreek.org stories and follow us on Instagram at Otter Creek Church.